Hey friends, welcome back to the Brown Shag Carpet where we are all just parenting in the ordinary. I am Lori. I get to be children and families pastor at Rabbit Creek Church and this is my husband. I'm Corey Pepitone, Rabbit Creek Church's student and outreach pastor. Yep, and we have been working our way through a series on healthy sexuality. We talked our first week about early childhood and friendships and gender roles and all that kind of stuff and then continued on uh, last week with our middle school years, those middle years, and then today we're going to talk more about eh, 10th grade through college-ish. And so in each episode, we've talked about gender roles, appropriate play, appropriate romantic relationships, and what the differences are. So Corey, what do you want to start with today? I think if we're going to kick off with gender roles, particularly in high school and college, we need to do so with the realization that um, for the most part, the gender roles as we knew them when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s are no longer a thing. Which is funny because your parents didn't do life the same way mine did. No, my family was far more flexible in terms of gender roles and how we did things than yours. Right. And I think even probably what we what we grew up with was going away. I was I began washing my own clothes in sixth grade after I left a blue ballpoint pin in my shirt and it dyed my mom's shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So gender roles at this age, you know, we're we're rearing teenagers and young adults to become independent, which means they've all got to learn how to cook. They've all got to learn how to clean. They've all got to learn how to take care of themselves. And so it doesn't really matter um, who they think the job belongs to. As a single adult living on their own, it belongs to them. And we want them to grow up to be capable adults. Sure. The idea of a 30-year-old living in his mom's basement as a successful way to live a life um, and and if that's you, sorry, sorry for stepping on your toes, but that's not the goal. Right. We want capable kids who can fill those roles and do those things. Sure, sure. Um, and it's pretty interesting. I think I've mentioned this before that the whole gender role thing uh, didn't really exist until you know 1950s or so. People, Ward Cleaver, right? Yeah, maybe so. Uh, homesteading, all of that, even scripturally, you, people did the tasks that they were capable of doing. Um, so, so whether it was proximity or physical capability or uh, personal knowledge or skill or gifting, that was the role they filled. Didn't matter if you were a man, didn't matter if you were a woman. The person who was best in the home to accomplish the task did the task. And I think some of that probably falls into our discussion that there are a lot of things that we use our relational capital to discuss with our kids and that doesn't have to be one. Mm, so you mean... Don't make a fuss about it? I do. I mean, there okay. are lots of things that we want to pick fights over, and that's probably not at the top of my list. Okay. All right. So how about, um, are you ready then to step into our next topic yeah, of appropriate absolutely. play? Okay. So what should, you know, our teenagers are not, or our young adults are not necessarily playing anymore, but what does that look like in friendships, in hanging out, having a good time, um, playing So I think this is going to look a lot whatever. like we talked about in the last one. Um, the idea that, there is significant value in learning to have friends of the opposite gender. Significant value now and significant value looking forward to long-term permanent marriage relationships and, and how do we play together, how do we have a good time together. Learning those things in the years that we're talking about is key and really right. important. Right. Okay. So what about um, things like... Well, we're going to step into, are you ready to step into the romantic yeah, relationships? So, so let me ask regarding gender roles and, uh, and friendships and things like that in the romantic arena, um, so an area in which you and I didn't 
particularly agree on uh, when our kids were a little bit younger was uh, who's who's in charge of asking somebody out. So I think there's another one that that I guess maybe it's how I grew up. It was no big deal. I, I explained the Reliant K song Sadie Hawkins Dance to a group of teenagers in the last year or so to their mortification that there might have been a dance a dance in an entire school year where it was appropriate for a girl to ask a guy out uh, and they were floored that that kind of thing might have ever needed to exist because they just assumed that if you wanted to go out with someone you asked them out right so girls calling guys asking guys out whatever it's just really a non-issue at this point it's not we tried to make it about respect for a long time but respect goes both ways um so that's that's not necessarily a respect issue. That's almost more of a confidence issue. And I'm certain there are some really well thought out explanations that have to do with dignity and some of those kinds of things for people who really hold those as important values. But for us and for our kids, really what we've come down to is responsible behavior is neither a male nor female uh, particular requirement. Right. It's equally shared by both. And if we're going to expect them to share responsibility equally, then they ought to share equally in their ability to kick something off, off and ask somebody out. Right. All right. Well, um, share with us a little bit about your thoughts on what an, what appropriate dating yeah. versus, um, so let me set you up a little bit, appropriate dating versus appropriate uh, committed boyfriend-girlfriend relationship versus uh, committed, perhaps now engaged couple. So let's start with the fact that we think dating is appropriate. For somebody who missed the conversation early on um, in our family, I have pretty perhaps even bullheaded opinions on the courtship movement that happened a while back and all of those things. I think dating is an appropriate thing to be done. within the bounds of uh, Christ-like behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's an opportunity for our kids to learn about romantic relationships. And if we're going to teach them all of the other things, I can't imagine why we would seed that right um, and just hope everything works out okay. Um, so I think this is a part of the way that we parent. Furthermore, the idea that someone could just go on a date is a thing. Um, and that sounds crazy to a lot of our teenagers in today's world. Asking someone out doesn't mean, hey, I want to go to the movie. It, it almost always means I would like to begin a an invested relationship with you. I don't say long term because some of them don't last long term. But there's almost no opportunity to go, hey, I think it would be fun to go hang out with you. And get to know you. And get to know you with obviously no physical intimacy pressure. Let's just go out on a date. Um, We've lost that as a culture, and I think there's some loss there. Well, and so on the flip side, we hear a lot about one-night stands and those kinds of things is is the fact that we've lost the ability to just go get to know someone to if we go out and the understanding we're just going to go have fun, that automatically means there's physical intimacy expected it's there's almost a um there's dues to be paid if i if i spend time with you therefore i deserve something like that is that the culture that we live in horrifying and accurate um so yeah i think one of the things that our older high school and college students need to hear is you should be able to go ask someone out to coffee because you want to get to know them better with no pressure 
And you should be able to take someone out to go to go-karts or go do something fun. For heaven's sake, don't take them to the movie. Nobody talks at the movie right. anyway. But go do something fun. That should be a thing. Right, uh, right. So I have heard you speak and teach on this subject for years and years and years. And you use um, a picture that I am pretty sure you actually used in our dating relationship um, of a three-legged stool. Right. Legged. Legged? Legged stool. Yeah, yeah three-legged stool. Um, so would you share with us, and this is your, is that an analogy? Yep. Illustration? Illustration? Whatever. Of, Metaphor? Of how, how a relationship grows in a healthy manner. So if you picture an old-timey milking stool that rests on three even-sided legs, you'll get the kind of stool that we're talking about. In the analogy that we're talking about, the dating relationship is the flat and level, ideally, seat. And coming down from it are three legs. There's the spiritual intimacy leg, the emotional intimacy leg, and the physical intimacy leg. Okay. And the idea essentially is that the human psyche is predicated on wanting to have healthy, stable relationships. At least the healthy human psyche and one of the things that we understand... So you mean our brains are created craving, needing healthy development. We're not automatically created to want chaos. Correct. Okay, go ahead. And, and that in a romantic relationship, we are driven to keep these three things equal. I would give pushback on that, but go ahead. Yeah, so uh, the, the spiritual intimacy side of that... Um, it would be easy to say we know relationships that aren't spiritually intimate and i would say you see you do see that play out even in relationships where you have one believer and one non-believer in the ways that those relationships begin to bend and pull one another right there's influence there so can you give can you give just a quick definition of what you mean in each of these terms what's spiritual intimacy so spiritual intimacy is the way in which we share our spiritual beliefs and practices with the person who is in this incredibly important position in our life. The ways right. that we pray together, study scripture together, share discourse on theology and truth, all of right. those things. Okay. What uh, do you mean? How come I just blanked on this? Emotional intimacy? Yes, that one. What we mean by emotional intimacy is the the extent to which the presence of that person in your world makes it feel like the world is the way it was supposed to be. Whether you're happy with them My or sad with them. My soulmate completes the world. Yeah, and, and it's not just the gotcha. like, they make me happy kind of thing, though certainly that's a part of it. It's the, my world isn't right unless this person is in it. Okay. Um, physical intimacy is, and maybe that's a little obvious, but that is things of a sexual nature. Does it also mean proximity? It can mean proximity. It can mean something as simple as quietly sitting and watching TV together. Or or, or, freak, or, or how much quantity of time yeah, is spent together. Okay. All right. Quality time and physical touch, frankly, okay. if we're going to love languages, is a okay. lot of what we're talking about. Okay. There. So, all right. So, go back to, um, do you want to give us an example of what a healthy early relationship would look like versus something later or how is this best yeah so explained? i think probably if we look at a, a healthy dating relationship um in the 
high school years, okay. right? So one of the things that I, I really loathe to do, and I joked with a group of teenagers at one point, I brought in a t-shirt with like dotted lines, you know, as if at this point in the t-shirt, he's, we can... He's making horizontal lines like, with his like, hand. Like, to try, as if I would give them physical boundaries and permission for certain levels of physical intimacy in youth group and you give them like youth group on a standards. Shirt? I didn't. Because... Um, no. Yeah, right? <laughs> but so we don't want to do that. That's a family discussion. And we don't want to do that for you guys. Frankly, it's one of the things that makes me most nervous about this topic is either permitting something for someone or throwing down a stumbling block because someone misunderstood what I said. That said. Okay. Um, physical intimacy is something that we have to deal with if we're going to talk about romantic relationship. So what does that look like? early in a relationship in high school? Um, I think it probably looks like hand-holding. Um, the, the simple fact of the matter is we believe that sex is for marriage and for marriage alone. Mm -hmm. And if we understand that the physical intimacy of this stool is going to grow. All right. Because relationships grow in depth or they stagnate and fail. Right. Then for, for a high school student, there's almost a mathematical equation of this is the physical intimacy that I believe is okay prior to marriage. And this is the duration of this relationship. And therefore we're going to have to take this at a measured, informed, staggered pace. So I remember y'all, I'm not even joking. When we were dating, we had a line that was not allowed to move. True. Ever. And, and we had decided based on, conviction, prayer, whatever, where that line was before sexual, like, intercourse. Right. Um, and then we had a line that as our relationship grew, uh, it moved. Yeah, and like, so that's what you're talking we about is how hands, do you or set, we were kissing, how do you or set like, this, this line that moves in your relationship? Yeah, and there were, we had some pretty specific rules about how that line moved. Yes. It, it, it couldn't be spur of the moment. <laughs> it had to be conversation. It, and if this sounds incredibly calculating, um, I guess to a certain level it is. It's not calculating, but well thought out. Yes. These aren't things that, that can happen by accident. accident. Yeah. Babies happen on accident. Right. <laughs> Precisely. Um, um, so, okay. So a healthy high school couple, they're, they're just beginning to date. They are uh, starting to, you know, hold hands. Walking into youth group, holding how, hands, hoping no one sees them. How, it's yeah, right. So how often are they seeing each other during the week? Because that's, that's also really... part of that appropriate emo uh, physical relationship is, you know... Do they spend every waking hour together? So that's really important here because one of the big things that happens in high school dating relationships is they begin to become emotionally intimate. They go off the deep end and lose all of the contact with all of their other friends. I can't count the number of times right. that I've seen like guys who have been best friends with other guys go, well, I guess I'll see him again when they break up because he's now hanging out with her and he's forgotten every other friend he ever had. Right. And we treat that like it's normal behavior, and but it's so, not. As so, parents helping them set that boundary and go, hey, when did you hang out with so-and-so the last time? Yes. I mean, hanging out um, once or twice on the weekend is great. Going on a date and then maybe hanging out after church, that's reasonable. Sure. If we're talking hours and hours and hours of FaceTime, on the phone, 
behavior if in an early dating relationship in high school we're talking i can't go to bed at night unless we've spent 30 minutes on the phone those are warning signs for behaviors where the emotional intimacy leg of that stool is rapidly growing and perhaps growing more rapidly than it should so so you just stepped into the emotional side of that and i would agree with you that also um we kind of talk a little bit about codependency. Yeah. Of if you can't function and make your own decisions anymore, then this is not healthy. That's automatically your stool is not level. Well, um, and-, and we can see that too in Christian dating relationships when they think like they're they're making their relationship healthier by... By spending every night doing quiet time together. Or spending hours at a coffee shop doing deep dives of theology with their brand new girlfriend or boyfriend. Which is really cool. And they might learn some stuff. But now they're putting that significant other in the role of kind of the Holy Spirit. And and we as parents tend to get really excited because they're spending hours doing Bible study together. Which we have to realize the level of intimacy that that represents and at some point begin to go that's a warning sign all its own because what happens is when we take one of the three-legged stool's legs and grow it far more rapidly whether that's um, physical intimacy or emotional intimacy or spiritual intimacy our body will attempt to stabilize that stool our brain will right and so it makes sense if you take a physically intimate relationship and it becomes very physically intimate that the emotional stability side of that is going to follow and these relationships become emotionally codependent as they become physically inappropriate and then that actually has spiritual implications right um but the same is true if you take a perfectly healthy christian couple and they have great physical boundaries but the spiritual intimacy of their relationship goes haywire We've threatened the emotional intimacy, and frankly, it quickly leads to to physical intimacy getting out of hand. Uh, or well, and physical intimacy getting out of hand by way of, um, then we make some super hard decisions about we're not going to kiss, or we're not going to touch, or we're not going to whatever, and then there's as much therapy needed for that. Right. In well, the and, long run. And so you say that there's a there's a point to be made there. Um, one of the books that we read in premarital counseling made the strong point that if as a Christian couple you're going into marriage feeling like you have your physical intimacy desires completely and utterly under wraps, that's not normal. Yeah, it's not okay. Get, get counseling. Right? Like I, I know some really strong couples who have made decisions that we will right. have our first kiss on our wedding day. Right. I respect some of those folks a lot. That's not what I want for my kids and I don't think that's healthy. Um, that's not the way we're built as humans, and I think that's a. I can't imagine trying to build the entire physical intimacy of a relationship on a wedding night. That's well, yeah, but it's also make sure that's a conviction from God and not a this will make us a super holy couple, right? Um, conviction. So, man, I had a really great question and Excellent. I lost it. Um, The simple fact of the matter is what we're trying to describe here is not a relationship which is growing rapidly and wildly out of control in any of those areas. Right, and I just remembered. The problem with doing lots of Bible study or prayer time together 
generally means it's because you're no longer doing it by yourself. Almost exclusively. It's not, you don't take teenagers who have really healthy quiet times, have them decide to do their quiet time with their girlfriend and boyfriend as an additional quiet time. It's, right. So it's different to up. like have your quiet time and then you guys share what you did in your quiet time. No, that's super that's cool. A, that's super awesome. That's a, a At a measured level. Right. Within reason. <laughs> right. So, okay, so fast forward and say this is a, um, this is a, well, would you rather say this, this high school couple is still dating three years later, or would you rather skip to a, a college couple? How does this look different, I guess, for a college couple than for a high school couple? I think the simple way to put that is that relationships which are closer to marriage grow more quickly. Yeah. Because they have less time to learn these things about one another. Um, and we should expect greater physical intimacy within the bounds of sexes for marriage and spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy in a college dating couple or an engaged couple. Gracious, an engaged couple should look different Very from different. a right. high school dating couple. And I think sometimes we don't expect that to be the case if that's not healthy. So am I kind of understanding that the whole, the thing that I kind of appreciate about the stool analogy is I remember when our kids were little, we had a stool that we cut the legs almost all the way off of. They were only two or three inches high to make it the appropriate height for something. And I kind of picture that, that a new relationship has short, stubby legs. It's like the corgi of stools. And then <laughs> as the relationship you don't even grows, know <laughs> they're cute. As, they, as the relationship grows and they're getting closer to marriage or whatever, their stool's getting taller. And you've gone from like corgi legs to Labrador legs. I don't know. It's a Great Dane legs. But, but, Evenly, Yes. And I guess the big takeaway here for us as Christian parents is for years we got really excited about physical intimacy as if it was the only pitfall that a, that a dating right. relationship could fall into. And that's just not the case. Right. Emotional intimacy and spiritual intimacy carry their own pitfalls and we need to be aware of them. Right. So can we talk super quickly, uh, do you want to talk about it this time or upcoming, about cohabitation? So I think there are definitely some things we need to talk about in upcoming episodes. I will say in the last episode, we didn't cover pornography and the idea, right. the idea that really young students are dealing with that. And we are going to cover that in, a, in an upcoming episode. So let me just throw that out there. Right. So like, um, like if you haven't kind of talked with your kiddos by about fourth or fifth grade about things that they could see on the computer and this is why you ask permission for exactly all the words, this is... Right. Somebody why. else will teach them for you. Right. Um, in terms of cohabitation, I think probably cohabitation is really relevant to what we're talking about right now. Well, um, uh, research shows us that the number of cohabiting couples is increasing. Exponentially. And, yes, like crazy. Yeah. And, and I think the thing to understand here is that cohabitation takes all of the issues that we're dealing with here, and forgive the cliche, cranks them up to 11. Um, physical intimacy is assumed in most of those relationships. Um, spiritual intimacy is a given. Emotional intimacy is a given. We have taken all of the levels of connectivity to really high levels and given them almost no stability and security. You just said spiritual intimacy is a given in that. Do you mean healthy Christian couples are cohabitating? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I, like... I think we have one of the biggest issues that we struggle with as church leaders is when our healthy single adult Christian couples decide to become cohabitating couples and, and it's happening more and more. Right. Um, so this is a conversation we need to continue to have because I know 
we've we have both listened to research on this and the physiological and the neurological and all of that impacts of of all of that which is fascinating um but we'll talk about that another time yeah i think we need we to bring it up again we time. need some time yep. with it so yeah but thank you so much for joining us on the brown shack carpet again today uh feel free to call us email us the ike is really itchy right now sorry guys uh call it's- us or email us with questions or comments we would love to hear it and uh and differing perspectives Always good. Suffice to say, this is one of those episodes, this one and the next couple, which are really difficult for me because I'm used to getting to look at the people across the table or across the room when I have this conversation. And we decided it was important to be able to discuss this with you guys on this episode, but we'd love some feedback. If you have questions about what we said, I'd love to be able to continue that conversation. Sure. All right, friends. Thanks so much. Have a great afternoon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.